Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Monday, September 14th, 2020. And on today's show, we will recap the Nationals' four-game series this weekend with the Braves, where the Braves took four games. And we look ahead to the Nationals' remaining part of their season schedule, what comes up for them in this busy week, and a whole lot more. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, let's get to it here on the Locked On Nationals podcast. The Nationals fall three times in four games this weekend to the Atlanta Braves. They had previously played the Braves to an even split coming into the series. And actually, you know, it was on track to be an even split until the Nationals lost on Sunday. How do we get here? Well, we'll take you guys game by game on Friday night. The pitching matchup was Austin Voth against Robbie Erlin. And in this game, the Nationals actually looked really good early. They got up to a five-run advantage uh, through the second inning, and they were really all over Robbie Erlin's curveball. He could not use it effectively, and they chased him out of the game, uh, and Erlin didn't even get through a two full innings. So I was impressed uh, with the way the Nationals were able to get early offense, and Adam Eaton was a big part of that. When they go with Victor Robles hitting leadoff, and they go Adam Eaton second, or whatever variation of that you want to have, And then they have Turner and Soto to follow. If you can get either of Robles or Eaton on base and having them in the front of the order, I know they're trying to get them going. It's late in the season. The Nationals really aren't going to make the playoffs. So you might as well try some different things. And I like that Davey Martinez was willing to try this. And in the first two games of the series, it did pay dividends. The Nationals were the first team to score in both of the first two games of the series. In this one, they were able to get an early five runs. But with Austin Voth on the mound, obviously, you probably didn't feel that comfortable. And even against the Braves, in general, you shouldn't feel that comfortable. The Braves were coming off a game where they scored 29 runs the night previous. So I think the Nationals were definitely a bit wary. And because of that, uh, Davey Martinez had an early hook with Austin Voth, who looked a little better. Now, I know it's re- in, you know relative, but he goes four and a third innings, gives up three earned runs, including a home run to Freddie Freeman, who... Freddie Freeman has killed a lot of teams this season, but he has especially been a Nats killer. Freeman in this series was 7-for-16. He drove in five runs, four walks, only two strikeouts. And against the Nationals this season, he's 15-for-38 with 15 RBI, five home runs, nine walks, and four Ks. He's hitting 390, and his 5'11 on base percentage uh, is the second best for Freeman against any opponent. Uh, the batting average is might I add. Um, he's He's got an over 500 on base percentage, I believe, against three different teams that he's played this season. And look, it, you know, it's not like it's the tiniest sample size. I mean, you're playing each one of these teams uh, at least, you know, in the division at least 10 times. And the team that he actually does the best against is the Phillies. And they've played the Phillies just as many times as they have played the Nationals uh, in terms of, you know, he has had as many opportunities against the Nationals as he's had against the Phillies, and he's done very well against both. And one thing you notice, and and Freeman does homer later again in this game, and they noted this in the broadcast, but I just wanted to expand on it. If you watch Freeman, what he does really well is, for a left-handed hitter, and a lot of these guys are pull hitters, he keeps his head in really well. His bat speed basically guarantees that everything he hits is going to be pull side, just the way that he gets that bat head through the zone. 
it's so fast. It feels like even if he's late on a pitch, it still might get pulled. He does a really good job of keeping his head in, of seeing the ball. He keeps his shoulder tucked, and he gets those hands through the zone, gets that bat through the zone, and his swings look violent, but it's not like a Bryce Harper beginning of his career kind of bad violent. I mean, it's a good, nice swing, and he had very few bad at-bats in this series, the one against Fetty uh, the next night to start off, but Fetty was kind of, funny enough, on a roll. Freeman, just his approach and his swing and you know the mechanics of how he gets the job done, uh, very impressive to me. And I think that's something that we have to note. You know, they talk about uh, Ronald Acuna and Marcelo Zuna's been hot, but Freddie Freeman was the guy who really caught my eye, uh, especially in this opening game of the series. Wander Suero gives up a two-run blast to Ronald Acuna, and then Will Harris. Uh, he throws a curveball to, to Freddie Freeman for that second home run that just grabbed way too much plate. And Freeman, once again, keeping that head in, saw it well and was able to get his body low enough, get those hands down low enough, and scoop the ball up. And with his power, you know, and especially the juice ball, too, not saying the juice ball had anything to do with it, but, I mean, he's going to be able to take the ball out of the yard. Even if it's a low curveball, lower half of the zone inside, he just stays on that ball and is able to yank it out of the ballpark and tie this game up in the seventh inning off of Will Harris, whose Nationals career has not been, you know, he's not shown a ton. Obviously, he'll be back uh, next year, but uh, has not been great for Will Harris so far with the Nationals. Tanner Rainey, who you're usually really comfortable with, comes into this game, and Dansby Swanson just takes a challenge fastball in the top of the eighth inning. He takes it out of the ballpark, and this is a ball This is a ball that was not high enough in the zone. 98 upper half, but it was you know not painting the top. It was right there, and Swanson was able to get his bat head to it and uh, opposite field home run, and that was a great at bat from Swanson. Rainey, who, once again, like those pitches happen, and I, I think it's okay. It's just it's a pitch he's got to elevate a bit more uh, moving forward. So home run there, and uh, Sean Doolittle also into this game. Looked like he had a right oblique injury when he pitched the ninth inning, and he exited this game. Kyle McGowan to come come in and, and shut things down in the back part, and um, it's tough for Sean Doolittle because it just seemed like he was getting back on track this season, and it was difficult to see him go down with an injury there. Nationals not able to muster any offense in the end. They lose this game seven to six in a game that they were up five runs in, and. Look, this, you know, we knew the Braves were going to be lively in this game, in this series, obviously the best team in the division. But you know, that's the difference between the Nationals and the Braves this year is that the Nationals are not the quality of team the Braves are. And the Braves, against an inferior pitcher, and which Austin Voth has performed as this year, I mean, he, you know, a decent performance from him tonight, but his ERA just got under eight and barely. It's at 7.99 now. And, you know, that's the kind of guy that they're going to take advantage of. And uh, they, they got to the bullpen. They got to some of the Nats' better pitching, too, in the bullpen. And got the job done. And that's what you expect from a team like the Braves. Not a five-run comeback, but you, know, you expect them to say, hey, you know, when, you, when you kind of watch the Nationals, you know that the, this, is, this is a game that the Braves are going to come back in. And they did to get that first win in the series. So it was a 7-6 to six loss for the Nationals in Game 1, Game 2 of this series. Another fun game. The Nationals get it done in this game, 8-7 to seven against the Braves. It was Eric Fetty going up against uh, Josh Tomlin in this one. So... Fetty, you know, another mixed bag in the outing. Five full innings, two earned runs, four walks, five Ks, no home runs given up. He throws 108 pitches. I think that was the encouraging part. The fact that they were able to extend him. He's shown that he is a legitimate long reliever, a legitimate spot starter. I mean, you know, 
how good of a starter, I don't know. But he could be a number five. Like, he could hold down the number five spot, in my opinion. He's starting to show enough to where I believe that he could do it. And they got to get the votes, the Fetties, deeper into ball games. but that will come. If you trust him to get to 108 pitches, that means you trust him to go deeper into ball games. You just got to make the 108 pitches work for you a bit more, get you to the sixth, get you to the seventh. Got to be a bit more efficient. But, um, you know, I thought against, considering the opponent, not a bad performance tonight, uh, excuse me, tonight, on Friday night from Eric Fetty. That front four of the lineup was dynamite uh, on, on Friday night. Between Eaton, Turner, Soto, and Thames, they had seven hits between the four of them. They drove in combined five runs. And the Nationals, this is another game where they took a five-run lead. They went up 5-0 five, uh, five in the first three innings. Soto, Turner, Eaton, all involved in making that happening. One Soto's opposite field hitting in these games was sublime, especially on Friday night. Going down and grabbing pitches, being patient, going the other way in two-strike counts. Loved Juan Soto's ap- approach uh, in these games, and, and it's just it just keeps getting better. And, you know, I, can't, I always say, besides saying he's special, what else can I say? Well, that's something I can tell you guys. He shot two balls the opposite way and drove in runs. You know, he's hitting off-speed pitches. He's grinding with two strikes. And he was able to drive in three runs in this game. And he walked three times as well, too. So, you know, he was able to get that average up to 368, 492 on base. And, uh, you know, Turner got over 360 as well. The problem I had in this game was the way the Nationals were able to get themselves a three-run advantage going into the ninth. So they're up 5 nothing. They give back two in the fourth, which is fine. They respond with one in the fifth, give back one in the sixth. So at that point in time, it's 6-3. Then in the eighth, they give up a run, make it 6-4, but they come back and a gomer homer makes it 7-4. So that is how you give your, your closer a great advantage than Daniel Hudson, man. Whether it was control or whether it was you know leaving balls in the zone, it, it was a difficult one for Daniel Hudson. He ends up going uh, in that inning, he gives up, Three hits, three earned runs, two walks, and ends up you know allowing the game to be tied. And the Nats end up having to battle and use Finnegan and Bork to battle into the twelfth inning, where surprisingly it took these two teams in a seven-seven game to the twelfth with a runner on second base. Michael A. Taylor with two outs, O2 count pokes a ball into right field, and the Nationals end up getting this win. But you know they, I mean, that's a lead that last year's team. Like at this point of the season, not saying you know, not saying um, uh, you know, forty-five some games in. I'm saying in the latter stage of a season because that's what they are right now. That doesn't happen, and uh, I thought it was uncharacteristic of them letting them back in the game. But here's what they did: they ended up getting the win, which was a trait of last year's Nationals team. So I, I like to see kind of you know the resurgence of hey, whatever it takes, getting the job done. Wacky, crazy, fun game. The first two games were uh, a real thrill to watch, and the Nationals took game two uh, by a score of 8-7. to seven. Before we get to the final two games of the series, I want to let you all know that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting, best-for-you protein bar in the game today. They've got six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barchia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They have their 12 original flavors, all chocolate, six with nut, six without nut. Coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, mint brownie, banana bread, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, my favorite, toffee almond. 
as well as the coconut. Love that one as well. And my dad's favorite, peanut butter brownie. Right now, you have a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, on to game number three of the series. This one was on Saturday. Good pitching matchup here. It was Ian Anderson against Patrick Corbin. That was the big story of the game. Anderson picks up the win. He goes seven innings, gives up one hit, three walks, nine Ks. And for him, it was the changeup that was really effective. The Nationals just could not get a beat on that changeup. And uh, they were one for 10 with runners in scoring position in this game. And that was a big reason why. Whether it was the walks, they got guys on base. Um, you know, in those situations, they just couldn't come through because that changeup was on. That was very much the story of this game. Corbin pitched very well, too. Uh, he gives up nine hits, but only two runs, and he strikes out eight in seven full innings. So they were able to extend him. And a two-run effort, you know, with eight strikeouts, that's about all you can ask for. And luckily for the Braves, they, their pitcher was just a little bit better on Saturday. And so I, I think it's one of those losses where you say – Man, from what the Nationals have gotten from Corbin this season, you'll take this effort and just kind of, you know, tip your cap to the other team, the other guy, because he was a bit better in this game. Nationals did have a chance late. Turner drives in a run in the eighth, but they're down 2-1, and, and um, they load the bases in the ninth, but they're not able to get the job done against Mark Melanson. So we go to Sunday, and the big story on Sunday, and it was another Braves win, 8-4 to in this game. Here is the story for me, for my money in this one. Score is 4-2 to two heading into the sixth inning, and that Scherzer pitch count gets up. And we talked about this, something that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I said, watch when Scherzer's pitch count gets above 80. Who is the guy that we see out there? In the last couple starts, he's been very good. I, I think Davey Martinez made the wrong decision here. He gives up a two-run home run to Adam Duvall, ties the game at 4-all. At that point in time, Scherzer's pitch count's over 100. There's no reason for him to still be out there. Clearly, you know, at that point in time, we've seen enough this season to where we know that Scherzer, you know, after he's been had a little bit, teams start to pile it on later in the games. And they should not have left him in this spot. Maybe it's a long weekend. Maybe it's a bullpen depleted. I don't know. But they get another two-run home run later in the inning, and they make it 6-4. to four. So I didn't understand the decision to leave him in especially in a spot where we've seen Scherzer struggle. Um, the Braves' defense was awful, and that allowed the Nationals to get to the four runs. The offense wasn't great in this game, uh, but they were able to get to Kyle Wright enough to knock him out of the game. The Braves' bullpen did a really good job. It was Matzik, O'Day, Minter, and, and Martin. They shut things down. They didn't give up a hit or a run in the rest of the game. So all of the offense came against Kyle Wright, and the Nationals were unable to get it done. But – yeah, I mean, Scherzer goes five and a third innings, nine hits, six earned runs, two, uh, excuse me, 10 strikeouts, two home runs, pitches 119 pitches. But it's the, the two home runs came later in the game, and I get it. Like, the bullpen's been used a lot this weekend. But, you know, if you we've really wanted to win the game, we've seen it enough this season to know that once Max gives up that long ball, the first one, you know, he might give up a second one. And, and if the game's tied, I wouldn't take the chance with that. I just think from what we've seen this season, there's no reason to take that chance. The Braves pull ahead, and uh, that's kind of all she wrote for the rest of this game. So the Nationals, 
They fall to 17 and 28. The Braves got to 28 and 19. I'm going to pull up the standings really fast for you all to let you know where the Nationals fit in. They are currently 10 games back of first place in the division. They are six and a half back of the Miami Marlins, who got a couple big wins this weekend, uh, especially on Sunday, over the Philadelphia Phillies to pull themselves into second place in the division. So look at that. The Marlins uh, have gotten themselves into good positioning. So that will do it for the show today. That is where the Nationals sit. Uh, ESPN gives them a 1.1% chance to make the playoffs. I think it might be even less than that. It feels like it's less than that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of upsetting. But we'll take a look at what the Nationals have left on the schedule uh, on the next show. And I'll give you guys kind of a preview because they have an off day. So on the next show, we'll take a look at what the Nats have coming up the rest of the week. It's a busy week, uh, including a series of the Marlins, which you guys know will always be longer than three games and include at least one doubleheader. Uh, once again, follow us at LO Nationals on Twitter. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Check out those things. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of these things are part of the Locked On Podcast Network.